This is Catherine Parker from The Haunting of Hill House. You're listening to Derek Thomas and the Monday Morning Critic Podcast. The My next guest has been an infiltrator, Bone Tomahawk, Lincoln lawyer, virgin suicides, the greatest American hero. He broke our hearts as Eddie Wilson and Eddie the Cruisers. And I got to say, the chef from New York has turned out to be a pretty goddamn good actor. His name is Michael Paré. Michael, how are you today? I'm good. I'm good, Derek. Things are uh, quiet here in California. Well, yeah, California things are quiet. So, Michael, I have to ask, what's the secret, right? Because... You've been so good for so long, working at such a high level. What's the process? What's the method you go through? What's the secret here? Pray, meditate, eat healthy, focus on your career. Because uh, that's about it, man. Yeah, because you, man, you got 163 in your filmography. You're still going strong. You're 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 better than ever, right? You've evolved as an actor. You're playing more complex characters. Um, so man, you're, and, and I guess I was joking a little bit, I'm not joking about the looks, but like your career, you're getting better with time, man. And as an actor, that's what oh, you want. Sorry. You want to evolve and get better with time. You know, I, uh, I'm a member, lifetime member of the actor's studio. I do theater. Mm. Uh, you know, I teach a little bit. So, you know, you got to grow. If you're not moving forward, you're uh, sliding back, right? No, man, that's well said. That's well, and, and there are some actors I have that come on the show, Michael, and, and they kind of are, are you know, I, I come in, I read the lines, and I leave, and that's the opposite of who you are, man. It, it's clearly you love acting. You love who you are, and you love the profession you're in, and trying to get better really, really kind of shows that. Well, you know, life's an adventure. You got to... Uh you know, you got to charge, march, whatever you want to call it. But um, thank you very much for that. Yeah. So you're born. I have to ask. You're born in Brooklyn. You have a you have a huge family, right? Six sisters, three brothers. Um, you lose your dad early on, which is which is awful. Um, is 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 your mother at the time kind of a superhero, kind of raising all of you on her own? Is she somebody that you completely idolize? Well, I don't know about idolized her, but she was a mom, and, uh, you know, she uh, went to work a year after my father died, and, uh, you know, everybody in the family went to college. She was strong, uh, very Catholic. She had two brothers that were Catholic priests, a cousin that was a Catholic priest, a cousin that was a nun. So, uh, you know, she had a very strong um, spiritual life. 
Yeah, I mean, and, and growing up, you're in a very difficult time, right? The war is going on. You just lose your, you know, your dad. Um, was it a tough time? I mean, I hope it's not. It's an obvious question, but is it a really tough time for you, Michael? Is it is it something that was very difficult for you to navigate through? Well, you know, it was a big family. There were four boys in one room, four girls in the other, and uh, the two youngest had like a little nursery room. So it was crowded, but you know, we had a we had the family. You know, there were ten of us. Um, was it hard? Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, look, man. You know, you look around the world. Anybody growing up in the United States is very fortunate. So I have nothing to complain about. No, that's that's well said, man. And I gotta say, man, you're just to fast forward a little bit. You're a chef, right, in, in, in New York, and all of a sudden you're discovered. I mean, it's almost like you live two lives, Michael. Right, the one before acting and the one um, as an actor, and it, and, it, and it almost seemed like it, it came by storm for you. Well, you know, I was definitely, uh, you know, I feel like I was chosen, uh, you know, but. Um, you know, my sister has a doctorate in English literature and a PhD in teaching. My brother has a PhD in English literature. Um, my sister went to FIT. My other sister went to Strasbourg. I mean, so the arts were in our blood. Right. But, uh, I wasn't very good academically, so I went into the Culinary Institute. But, uh, you know, you know, it was... Uh, the Irish are always, you know, you know. They say we drink and, and uh, you know, write, read poetry. So I mean, it's, <laughs> it's in our blood. The DNA is there. Um, and I took the class right away. I understood the whole fucking craft. It wasn't like a mystery. Right. And, right. Uh, I approached. I approached it from, uh, you know, the crafty uh, thing that it wasn't. Uh, you know, it wasn't about being famous. It was about being good at what you do. And how so, were you, um, and how were you discovered, Michael? And I, and I know you've probably told the story a thousand times, but I know you were a chef. Does somebody walks in and says, you know, you'd be ideal for a role? How, how does that unfold for you? If you don't mind telling me a little bit about that. Well, I worked, uh, you know, the dinner shifts from three to eleven, and uh, my girlfriend was a waitress in uh, a bar on Columbus Avenue that was like um, it, it was. Uh, what do you call it? Industry bar. Right. The news. It was right across the street from ABC. Right. So the news guys hung out there. The the you know the the crew hung out there. You know all the technicians, and uh, you know it was Columbus Avenue. So all the soap opera people were in and out. But you know I was a chef, and my girlfriend was a waitress, so I would sit there and wait for her to get off of work. But an agent named Yvette Bickoff, this Jewish girl from Long Island, from Great Neck, Long Island. Um, sat next to me over the course of a, you know, a, a couple of weeks telling me that I should be an actor. She thought I was already. And uh, I talked it over with my brother and my girlfriend. And she said, go ahead, have lunch. See what, see what the real plan is. So I had lunch with her and she said she would send me to acting school uh, during the day and I could, you know, continue cooking at night. So I walked into uh, a class in Carnegie Hall that was a, a guy named Robert Moldick who was teaching the Meisner method. And I'll be honest, you know, as a, as a chef, as a cook in Manhattan, you know, all the waitresses are actresses, dancers, models, you know, musicians, shit like that. And they weren't that interested in a, you know, in a chef, you know, I was what, 20 years old. But 
you go into acting class, and if you put up good work, suddenly they will all talk to you and take you serious. Mm. So my initial attraction was it was a great way to meet beautiful girls. <laughs> and then, uh, I, you know, I continued studying, and I, then I went on to scene study, and uh, I had a knack for it. And two years later, I auditioned for ABC's talent development program, and that Joyce Selznick was running, and uh, she put me on Greatest American Hero. Wow. It, Michael, let me ask you, so I, do you think that you need, did you need, looking back, do you think you needed that acting class? Do you think you needed the talent development part of it? To, or do you think if you didn't have that stuff, you still, I mean, I know one leads to the Greatest American Hero, I get that, but as a, as a, as a artist, do you think you needed that uh, to to improve or, or or harness your ability. Yeah, okay. yeah. I uh, I still go to class. Yep. yep. I still go to the actor studio. You mm-hmm. know, I still work on you know great plays. You know, you got to keep your instrument sharp. You got, like I said, you have to know what the job is. Uh, what's a what's a question you get? What's a question you get a lot, Michael? By by people that either you teach or talk to about acting. Well, what do people want to know from you? Because you're clearly an accomplished actor. You're getting better. I mean, you're fantastic early on. You're getting better with time. Um, but what? What? what do you, what's the question you get all the time from aspiring actors? Um, what is the one thing that's necessary for a prolonged career? And I always say, you've got to want to be great. Mm. That's got to be what drives you because. Greatness is a goal. It's not, uh, you know, an accomplishment. You know, you have to want. You have to want it as much as you want air. You have to want to be great at what you do. And that applies to anything in life. Yeah. And, and I thought you said this, Michael, and if, I did, if you did, and I apologize, I thought you said early on in your life you were so, like, blown away by, you know, Brando and Dean and Paul Newman. Um, th- th- did watching guys like that have an effect on you? Were you blown away by acting? Is it something that's always been inside you? I know you mentioned your family. They clearly have uh, have the arts instilled in them. But did those type of actors, did they really kind of fuel you a little bit? Well, that's the stuff that was on television, man. Right. You know, it's the mid-60s, you know. The late 60s is like... Uh all of those great movies from the late 50s were now on television. So you get to see all these great, you know, Tennessee Williams, Eugene O'Neill. You get to see Marlon Brando, Paul Newman, uh, you know, uh, you know, Jimmy Dean, all those guys. They were all on television. So was I blown away by, I didn't know why, but they were like very moving, you know, and that's kind of your job as an actor is to, enable the audience to have an emotional experience based on an imaginary circumstance. Right. Right. And, and, and let me ask you, so two of your, two of your three first roles are huge. I mean, they're enormous roles. Is there a time where you ever pinch yourself, Michael, at that time and say, I, I can't believe this is happening. Or are you at the mindset of, you know what? I, I believe in what I've become. I've worked hard as an actor, busting my ass. I deserve to be here. Or is it both? No, in the, be- in the beginning, I couldn't believe it because, right. uh, you know, I was only uh, a year out of the kitchen when I got Greatest American Hero. And so when I got Eddie and the Cruisers, I was three years out of the kitchen. But, you know, I'll tell you a funny story. We're on location in uh, Cherry Hill, New Jersey, and I'm walking through the lobby of the hotel. And there's a guy I knew from when I was in a restaurant, working in restaurants. His girlfriend was best friends with my girlfriend. Hmm. And, you know, his name is Jimmy Grubel, 
right? Mm. And uh, he says, Mike, how are you doing? What are you doing here? And I said, uh, I'm working. He says, how's the food? I said, what do you mean? He says, you said you work here. I said, no, I'm Eddie, man. <laughs> and he goes, oh, my God. So, you know, I immediately had this close friend who knew me way back when. Wow. Um, so, you know, did I belong there? Whether I did or not, they gave me the job, you know, and, uh, you know, magic happens. But, of course, when it came out, I was pinching myself for, you know, a few years. But, uh, you know, like, I just got this big movie in China, and it's the same feeling. It's like, oh, my God, this is a role they never give to me. You know, it's it's like, it's still exciting. Right. You know, but the, in the beginning, it's even more so, because, what was I, 24? You know, my, my son is going to be 26 in summer. Wow. You know, and uh, when you're 24 years old, you really are um, mostly balls and, uh, you know, and, and daring. Uh, Michael, what does your what does your son have to say about your career? A lot of your work is it, or is he just so used uh, to it? You know, I, I kept I kept him out of it, and he's known he's known me my whole life. Dad was always going away to shoot a movie, right? Uh, he's not in show business. He's a software engineer. He's going to go work for Raytheon. Wow. In September. Wow. So he's uh, you know that's the other side of my family. My brother Frank is uh, uh, he's got his master's degree in electrical engineering, and uh, you know. He, he became an engineer when they still used slide rulers. So, wow. and my other brother was a technician, and uh, my sister, my other sister was a nurse. So, we have the arts and technology, you know. Wow. But, uh, my son, he's proud of me, but it's not like my dad, the movie star kind of stuff. Gotcha. I gotcha. You know, and you know, I, and I'm researching Eddie and the Cruisers. You know, it's just. I gotta say, and I, I I was battling on whether to ask you this or not. Is it better to have a movie? And I don't want to call it a cult classic because I almost feel like that takes away from how awesome this movie is. But is it better to have a movie where people, you know, years later absolutely love it, or is it better to be in like a movie where it's like a, a mainstream release where you know it does kind of well? Um, what what kind of is there a difference as an actor? Is it is it being in a nice spot having a movie where because you've been in both situations? Is it nice being in a movie where years later Eddie still means this much to them? Is that a, still a special feeling? Well, yeah, yeah. When people appreciate your work, you know, uh, yeah, that's what it's all about. Yeah, and I was you looking. Know, otherwise, at- and why as well be doing theater and fucking, uh, you know. <laughs> Wisconsin, you know, in a farm town. Right, and, and I was looking at some of the, you know, the, the clips on YouTube just to brush up. I have the movie. I, I've had it for a while on Blu-ray. And I got to say, man, it's got one to five million views. I mean, people are still head over heels for Eddie. And I swear, Michael, maybe I'm just going over the top here. This would make a great Netflix if they ever wanted to bring it back starring you. I mean, I, I could see this having a second life, but that's maybe just me being optimistic. I don't know, I don't know man. I It's amazing to see. Well, you know, I'm really proud of it. What can I say? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it's got an amazing cast, right? So this is one of your first roles. And, you know, you have Tom Berenger, you have Ellen Barkin, you have Joe Pantoliano. You're just in a really fantastic spot. You know, not to mention, again, it's your first, one of your first roles. So that's that's just a fantastic spot to be in. Do you identify with this become a part of you? Does Eddie become a part of you? Like so Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man, he's a he takes that role, you know, that role has come become a part of him. Johnny Depp did the Pirate of the Caribbean movies, you know, as Jack Sparrow. Do you find that Eddie was such a different role that it's actually a big part of you? Do you find that that's that's ever the case that you have so much invested in Eddie? Well, 
you know, Eddie was the personification of what every young artist believes. Right. You know, that it's the art that's important. You know, and it's, you know, for Eddie, it was the music. For me, it's the acting. Uh, but it's the same thing. It's like, that's what it's all about. And I think that's the longevity of my career. You know, I never stopped studying. I never, uh, you know, I, ne I never gave up. I never, you know, threw my career away. You know, I've been married 27 years. I mean, I'm a serious guy. Right. Right. No, and, and that makes complete sense. And I, I don't know, man, there's like roles that, that I see people in that, I, you're just so believable in everything, but you're just so believable in this in the sense that, I don't know, I just feel like you were born to play Eddie. Like, I cannot think of another actor, because I know, like, Rick Springfield really wanted this part, but I could not picture anybody else in the world that could have played Eddie the way you did, man. Well, you know, I played what was written in the script that he really wanted. You know, I have that line, I want to be great or there's no point in doing it. Mm. You know, and that was that was Eddie's secret about life is the you know, like, like I just said you've got to want to be great right or you're wasting your time you got to want to be great um, you can't be great unless you really want it it's got to be the most important thing is to give a great performance whether it's music or writing or, or painting or acting you got to want to you know say something important and reach the biggest audience that's why I'm excited about this Chinese thing there's a billion people in China you know I got a I got a series on chi in China right now you know, it's going into a hundred million homes. Wow! Think it, of that, you it, know, it, yeah, there's, that's there's huge. Three or four people in each. That's four hundred million people. Right. Are going to see this? You know, like twice a week. That's an enormous audience, man. That's bigger than the population of the United States. If everybody in America tuned in. Right, and, and I got to say, Michael, there's been a huge boom in China when it comes to filmmaking or TV shows. It's like the last ten years or so. It's been a it's been a huge boom, right? Yeah. Well. You know, uh, you know the glo I think the arts is a, is the only healthy way to uh, go to a globalization. You know, yeah, like sports and art and music. That's healthy globalization. Economically, I don't know, but uh, the arts, the sports. You know, that's good. Yeah, and of course, yeah. So China, they're gonna come up. You know, I know China still dubs everything, but uh, so does Germany. So who knows? Right, right, and uh, Mike, what is the name? What is the name of the show that you're that you're on? Because you've got so much stuff in pre-production. I mean, you're such a you're a ridiculously busy actor. You're still working your ass off. What What is the name of the show that you're talking about? Or a movie? Sorry, the one that I'm gonna that I'm going to do in Hong Kong, or the one that's on the air in China now? Uh, both, both. The one in Hong Kong is called Twin Blades. Yep, and uh, the American lead is Beth Bear from uh, Two. Uh, broke chicks, I think it's called, and uh, the uh, television series is called Seven Days Alive. So uh, that's my uh, Chinese exposure right now. You know, we talked about you know just finally the greatest American hero. Um, I have to say, you know, that has to be a huge ex uh, experience for you as well because uh, again, you're surrounded by a great cast. Just talk a little bit, Michael, about that great cast you were surrounded with on Greatest American Hero? Well, the first day of shooting on Greatest American Hero is a scene in the diner where I pull a switchblade on Robert Culp. <laughs> and I mean, I don't want to say I was starstruck, but, you know, I used to watch, uh, you know, that that thing about, you know, with Bill Cosby. What was that? Called? The uh, uh, I Spy. Right. Right, so I, I was like, this is Robert Culp, this is Robert Culp. And anyway, I pulled my switchblade, and he's pointing a thirty-eight special at me. 
and I can see the lead down the uh, wheel. And I, I, I said, well, hey, man, that's a real fucking goat. What's the matter with you? And he says, that's right, kid. And I kind of freaked. And they said, you can't say fuck. And I said, it's a real gun. <laughs> and, of course, it wasn't a real gun. And uh, Robert Culp and I, you know, became kind of buddies. We didn't go out eating and drinking or anything. But, you know, uh, because he sensed the respect I had for him, he, uh, you know, he always gave me a little bit extra in the scenes I had with him. Yeah, and, and I'm going to say, man. Great, Billy Cat was a great guy, but that was a different relationship. You know, Robert Culp, uh, Tony Villacana kind of thought Robert Culp was cool because he was an FBI agent. Billy was a special, you know, ed teacher. So he's kind of geeky with Robert Culp character. was cool. Right, right. And, and that show, Michael, had so much bad luck from, from lawsuits from D.C., which the D.C. lost. And I just felt like ABC handled that show all wrong, and I felt like it should have been a hundred times better than it was, and it was one of the best shows, in my opinion, of all time. Well, you know, Stephen Cannell is a pretty brilliant guy. He yep. like, you know, about 10 or 15 really mega hits. Stephen Cannell is certainly one of the greatest creators and producers of shows in television history. Um, no question about it. Maybe the best of all time. Michael, I appreciate your time. Thank you so much for being on the show. Suddenly I'm up on top of the world You should have